Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is December 17th. Today we are going to continue but really begin this brand new Come Follow Me block, which is Genesis chapter 5 and Moses chapter 6. Now I said yesterday that we weren't going to talk really about Genesis chapter 5 because it just kind of lists the generations from Adam down to Noah, and that I wanted to focus more on the doctrine instead of those generational things. But I actually, I saw something on a Facebook group that I belong to today that was a video with a woman who is Jewish by heritage and a Latter-day Saint by religion. And she talked about something that I thought was really fascinating. She said that in the genealogy with Jewish people, genealogy goes through the matriarch, meaning she is Jewish by heritage because her mother was Jewish and her children will be Jewish by heritage because she is Jewish. However, she said if her son had kids, they would not be considered Jewish because he was a man and that lineage, that heritage has to come through the mother's side. So I found it so interesting as she was saying this, thinking about Genesis chapter 5. And here they're giving us this genealogy, but it's not a matriarch genealogy. It's a patriarchal genealogy. It's the genealogy coming through the men. And the more I thought about that in terms with Genesis chapter 5, the more interested I became. And the more I realized that, first of all, that genealogy is important because we are told that without us creating that welding link all the way back through our ancestors, the whole earth will be lost, utterly wasted, right? The purpose of this earth is to create that welding link. But even more importantly, this idea of genealogy coming through the matriarch helped me realize that perhaps that genealogy that we're given in Genesis chapter 5 isn't just supposed to say son of so-and-so, son of so-and-so, son of so-and-so, but rather it's teaching us about the priesthood line of authority, showing us that that line of authority of the priesthood was not lost or broken. I like that, especially when taking a look at it with Moses chapter 6, verse 7, which says, now this same priesthood, which was in the beginning, shall be in the end of the world also. This priesthood is eternal. And to show that priesthood line and that priesthood authority through generations, I think is just really, really neat. And I think it's amazing that the men of our church can also show that same kind of generational type link. They can say, well, I received my priesthood from so-and-so who received it 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 from Jesus Christ. What a blessing to be able to know that the power and the authority and the priesthood in this gospel comes directly from Christ and that we can make that link and that chain all the way directly back to him. Okay, so let's take a look at Moses chapter six, starting in verse one, it says, and Adam hearkened unto the voice of God and called upon his sons to repent. Now, I don't know about you, but I read that verse and I get a real Lehigh type feeling there. Remember near the end of his life, he starts calling all his sons and his grandsons. He calls people to him and some of them he commands to repent. Others, he commands them to continue to follow God. And so I'm picturing Adam, not that he's at the end of his life here, but I'm picturing Adam calling people to him and saying, hey, what are you doing? 
Like, let's change. Let's be better. Let's do better. And he calls upon them to repent. But there are two extremely important things to note before we follow his lead and start calling people to repentance. Okay, the first one is he felt inspired to do it. It says he hearkened unto the voice of God. And that's great. We need to follow that inspiration. However, there's also a second very important aspect to Adam calling his sons to repentance here. And that is the stewardship that he had to do that. Because he is their father, he has a stewardship to call them to repentance and to speak to them this way. In fact, we see a similar thing in Jacob chapter two. Remember in that chapter, Jacob is the prophet is going to call the men to repentance for their immorality and their love of money and unchastity, things like that. Before he starts calling them to repentance, he makes note of that stewardship. He says, I, Jacob, according to the responsibility which I am under to God, to magnify mine office with soberness. So he declares his stewardship. In fact, we see that throughout pretty much all of the Book of Mormon. Whenever there is someone calling someone to repentance, they state their authority and their stewardship before they ever get to that. Now, the reason why I think that is important is we have a tendency sometimes, especially in this world where we can hide behind screen names or hide behind social media, where we're not face to face with someone, we have a tendency a little bit in our society to jump out and to call someone to repentance just because what they say or do isn't in line with our beliefs or maybe our doctrines. And my friends, that is a very dangerous thing to do. To call someone to repentance without proper stewardship isn't a call to repentance, it's a judgment. And perhaps that's a very thin line there, but I always think it's so important that before we call someone out, or as we might be thinking, call someone to repentance or help them see the light, what's our authority to do that? Do we have authority to do that? Do we have any sort of stewardship over that person that makes it acceptable for us to call someone to repentance? If the answer is no, then probably it's best that we just keep it to ourselves because most likely it's not our place. And then chapter six goes on and in verse two, it says, and Adam knew his wife again and she bare a son and he called his name Seth and Adam glorified the name of God for he said, God hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel whom Cain slew. Now the story of Cain and Abel, there's just, (laughs) there's just nothing good or happy about it. It is tragic, especially for Adam and Eve, who didn't just lose one son, but lost two. And probably the more devastating of the two would have been Cain, who wasn't just lost to them physically, but was lost to them spiritually as well. I read a quote from Kieko Okasaki, who was a counselor in the Relief Society presidency years ago. And I love her perspective on this. She says, does the scriptures tell us How Adam and Eve grieved over Abel's murder? No, although they surely did. Does it tell us about the confusion, anger, and sorrow they might have felt over Cain's rash deed and exile? No, although they possibly felt these things. Does the author of Genesis scold Adam and Eve for not teaching Cain properly? No, there is no suggestion of rebuke. Instead, Adam and Eve, comforting each other in their sorrow, conceive a son whom Eve names Seth 
For God, she said, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel whom Cain slew. In other words, life literally went on for Adam and Eve. Most parents cannot give birth to another child when they lose a child to disobedience or rebellion, but they can make the same decision metaphorically that Adam and Eve did to acknowledge their terrible loss and decide that life goes on regardless. There are times when our best is not good enough to save another. We can acknowledge our loss and grieve over it, but surely we must also learn from it that life goes on. Now, obviously, life doesn't go on in that we forget about that child that we feel like we have lost, but we can find joy and happiness again. We can come to understand that our Father in Heaven will place things in our lives and people in our lives to help us feel that joy and that happiness and that connection to Him again. I love that they name him Seth. Seth in Hebrew means placed. God placed Seth in their lives to be a light and to be a joy and to carry on that priesthood power through the generations. And my friends, it's been my testimony in my life that when I deal with some of the hardest things, most of the time God has placed someone very specific in my life for that time to help carry me through it. And no matter what you're grieving when it comes to your children, it's my testimony that our Father in Heaven is aware of your grief and is giving tender mercies, small and big, to help us see His power and to help us be carried through. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen. 